King of glory and the mighty name of Jesus will forever be proclaimed. There will come a day. No more night, no sin, no sorrow, no more longing for tomorrow. Oh, my child, there will come a day. No more night, no sin, no sorrow, no more longing for tomorrow. Oh, my child, there will come a day. There will come a day. All right, let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6 tonight, verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It's in the New Testament, preacher. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Thank you, Anchor Baptist Church, for all your kindnesses. I love your room and the snacks and the goodies in your room and the delicious meals in the Ben and Mary kitchen. They're fantastic. You eat great meals there. Luggage won't be overweight, but I don't know what they're going to charge me to get back on the airplane. I'm not sure. Thank you for that. Just the spirit of this place. And then, of course, Brother and Mrs. Bell, I, I, I do. I love them. I like them. I told you I don't like most preachers, you know. But I do love them. I, I like them, and I appreciate them very much. The opportunity to come and then to come back. I don't get invited back to a lot of places. No, I don't. Why are you laughing at that? I am and being from California, you don't get asked to go preach a whole lot of places except California. So, these guys, I tell you, they, they crack me up. They're, they're over there. Oh, God, I'm there for mail Baxter up there in California. That's my favorite one. And I say, yeah, Otis, we do. Uh, we got them. Yeah. And uh, so, it's a privilege to be a part of this 33rd year. That's that's incredible thing behind every great work is the great God in heaven. No question about that. The great God in heaven. We exist because of Him. You know that, right? I, I'm so I'm so thankful to be an independent Baptist. I'm not denominationally connected with nothing and nobody. I'm, I'm a Baptist by conviction, not by conference or not by convention. And I'm thankful for that. Man, I'll tell you, we came to start our church 39 years ago this August. To the, uh, we were in a little town of Anderson there south of Reading, and we'd been coming to the uh, Chamber of Commerce to get an idea of what kind of churches and stuff was in town. And it's a little bit built. It's a little town. And the lady said, well, what are you doing? And I said, I'm here to start a church. She said, what kind of church? And I said, Baptist church. And she said, why would you want to start just another Baptist church? And I said, well, that's not what we're here for. And to this day, that's our slogan, not just another Baptist church. Ever since then, and it hadn't been. Hadn't been, been the thorny side of all the neos, charismatics, and foot cults, and nutballs, weirdos, and about half the Baptist churches in town didn't come to think of it. But anyway, the body of great works of the great God of heaven. I'm glad we exist because of him. I, I'm glad it's his blessing, his word, his goodness. I'm glad for that. We owe no human instrument or agency for the existence of the local New Testament. 
Amen. Man of God before. Amen. Which works everywhere but Redding, California, where I happen to pastor. But everywhere else, I tell you, you got to have a great preacher. Behind him, a great preacher is a great woman. Backs him up. Absolutely. Should be a bunch more amens on that one. Now, behind every great man is a great woman in a surprise set of, in a surprise set of in-laws. gives us great detail about the armor and each piece of it and what it does and what it means, etc. And 
etc. And of those eight pieces, five are defensive, three are offensive. And we understand something. You say, well, Pastor Johnson, you're in the armor of God. You're talking like we're in a battle. Where have you been? Where have you been? Now, it's a battle. You know why? You see two things in a battle. You see casualties and you see victories. That's right. And if you ain't seen casualties, you're not paying attention. And if you're not seeing victories, you're not on the right side of the thing. You've got to understand something. Yeah. We're supposed to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We're supposed to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't understand the idea that Christianity, we're supposed to take on to us the whole recliner of God and then relax and put get ourselves in the hammock of Jesus and sit back and sip our Starbucks and sit around our little shorts and just go to church and get a little reverend, a little reverend and give us a little sermon head after he's been sucking on a cigarette. And somehow or another, we're supposed to just lay back, take it easy, and coast till the return of Christ. We're supposed to occupy till he comes. And occupy implies we go get something. When it says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, that doesn't mean we're behind the gates holding out. That means we're attacking this thing and going after it. That's a battle. It's a battle. Not since it is, not if it is, since it is. You have to have the armor of God. Now, tonight, we're just going to cut very quickly into the message and get to it. But I want you to notice something about the armor of God tonight. Every piece of this armor is in relation to your fellowship and relationship with the Word of God. Quickly again, verse 14, having the truth, that's knowing and understanding the Word of God, living by it. Righteousness, obedience, and consistently living by the Word of God. The gospel of peace, witnessing, so when it is a part of the armor, my friend. Shield of faith, that's my defense, is trusting and living by the Bible. Helmet of salvation is the assurance of my salvation that comes from trusting the Word of God. Sword of the Spirit, that's the book itself. But that's part of the offensive pieces of this armor to use in our day-to-day lives. Praying and supplicating, that's the, that's the... I don't think we understand how powerful a weapon prayer really is. People resort to prayer instead of live by prayer. People, people run to prayer instead of walk in prayer. We don't, we don't pray consistently. We don't pray without ceasing. We pray when we have to. We treat God like a fireman. And that, you know, nobody goes by the fire station and walks in and says, man, we just appreciate the fact you guys are here. You're on target. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Nobody wants to bug the fireman. The only one thing to do with them until something's burning. Most Christians live like that. That's why something's burning all the time in your life, because God's got to keep it burning to keep you coming to Him. That prayer and supplicating, whoa, what a powerful thing that is. The thought we want to see tonight comes from the twofold admonition of verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God. Here's what that tells us about this armor. Number one, having it is not automatic. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have the armor of God. You, were, you didn't get it at your salvation. You did not. You got salvation. You got justified. You got reclaimed. You got redeemed. You got claimed as a child of God. You got adopted into the family of God. You got a whole bunch of stuff. You got a bucket load, my friend. No, you got a truck load. No, you got a well of salvation, Isaiah 12 says. And that thing at salvation, but you didn't get the armor at salvation. Salvation, the armor of God comes because we have a right relationship with the Bible. That doesn't mean you own one. That doesn't mean you think you believe one. That doesn't mean you tote one around with you. That means it becomes an active, living, vital part of your life. You live it. You live it. You live by it. You live with it. You live because of it. You think it. You talk it. You act it. You put it into every area and every part of your life. And you do it. And you realize something. Without the armor of God, I will be a casualty. You say, well, yeah, that would be nice. No, it's not nice. It's essential. You talk to anybody been in the military about to go 
listen to me. You're dealing with somebody, ladies and gentlemen, that adversary who is a roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You're dealing with someone for 6,000 years who's outsmarted the smartest people. He's outwised the wisest people. He's outdone the strongest people. He's outlasted the, the people with the most character. That's who you're dealing with. You better have that armor now. We better get serious about this. We better be doing an equipment check every day of our lives and make sure and realize just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you have the armor. If you live by the Bible, now you've got the armor of God. If you think Bible, you've got the armor of God. If you talk Bible, you've got the armor of God. If you if you have it every part of your life, it's essential of every area of your life, you have the armor of God. So get this, when it says take unto you, that means I have to literally make the deliberate effort to make sure that I realize this is not an automatic thing in my life. Don't step outside your door one day. Listen to me. I would take a breath and step on life without making sure I'm fully equipped for the battle I'm about to face that day. Taking you the whole armor of God also tells me this. The armor of God is a unit. Whole armor of God, verse 11. Whole armor of God, verse 13. The reason all eight pieces are, are mentioned is not so I can choose which one I want. Well, I mean, I, 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 I love my Bible, and I, I, I have a Bible that's good enough. No, you've got to have that breastplate of righteousness, that thing that covers the vital organs of the body, which tells me that my righteousness protects the vitality of my life. It protects my living, breathing, walking. It's your righteousness. Righteousness, Proverbs says, delivers from death. You know, it's always fascinating. Now, there was a time when we used to tell people, well, you shouldn't this, you don't do that, don't live like this. Nowadays, that stuff out there, ladies and gentlemen, you do one time, it'll kill you. One time. All you got to get is one time on the wrong side of something, you'll be dead just like that. Righteousness delivers from death. But it also protects the heart and the lungs. The heart is the soul of the man and woman. That's our heart. If I live right, you know what it does? It affects my thinking. It affects my living. On the righteous side of life, it help, helps me to understand what's on the other side, which is the wrong side of life. I need to have that. You say, well, okay, then I'll, I'll do my part. But then, wait a minute, then you need to be a soul winner because you got to have your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hey, wait a minute. Now you got to have the shield of faith. That means i got to know and believe and trust the word of God that I have in my life. All eight pieces are essential. But I guarantee you the average Christian in this room has got a prayer life that can blow the fuzz off a peanut. We spend all our time doing everything you can think of. We're all connected to the world. We know now that the president's got COVID. We know what's going on in sports. We know about live golf. We know about the NBA, ABA, HIV, BBD, and all the rest of the stuff that's going on out there. We know all the Hollywood people by name and why in the world of God's name you would know those people. I have absolutely no idea. But we know all that. We watch Fox News till we're cross-eyed. And we got, we got everything figured out. We know all the conspiracies that's going on. folks in our church about to kill each other over vaccination or not vaccination. Finally, I had to tell people, stop talking about it. You want to get the stupid thing, get it. You don't want to get it, don't get it. <laughs> one, lady, one lady goes up and she goes, preacher, you know that's a CIA thing. They're going to give you that shot. They're going to know where you are. I said, lady, you have a phone. She said, yeah, I said, they already know. My favorite one was, it'll alter your DNA. So I announced to my pulpit, I want some of you to get that shot. Because you don't need to be passing that DNA on anybody else. That's just, that's, 
Hopefully that will scramble you up real good. Your kids will have a chance to instead of one eyeball right in the middle of their forehead. It's, it's not unbelievable. I, 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 I cannot fathom in my mind how people got so caught up in stuff. And then now how you say, are you a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer? It's none of your business. The point isn't, did you get it or didn't you get it? My point is, this, how much time did you figure out on whether or not you should get it or not get it? And then how much time of that? Just have you ever have you ever logged your time in front of an electronic device of any kind? Telephone, tablet, computer, television, screen, YouTube, no tube, up tube, down tube, in your tube. You ever do that? You ever log your time in front of electronic devices? And then right on the other side of that column, you log the time you spend in prayer. And that's why we ain't got enough power to blow the fuzz off the feet up. Because we spend all our time with our nose in the world, our eyes on the news, our eyes on government, our eyes on the conspiracies, and all the rest of this junk, and no time walking with God. All eight pieces are essential. Every cotton-picking one of them. It's a unit. Take unto you the whole armor of God. Take unto you the whole. You know, when God repeats something, he repeats it for emphasis. Anytime, anywhere, I leave the Bible and what it asks of me out of my life, I'm leaving myself open to the enemy. I'm stationed in, up in the Arctic in Greenland. You only get a few months of what we would call decent weather up there. So we would hike out. We got a few months and we decided to hike out to this ice cap that was uh, about 12 miles from the base. It wasn't a military thing. It was a bunch of guys. It was a remote base. You're in the middle of nowhere. You and a handful of Eskimos. I mean, that's about it. So this ice cap covers 90% of Greenland. We lose a foot a day. It's a beautiful thing. Massive wall. looks like a massive wall of marble is what it looks like. And it groans and moans and moves like a cow. I mean, everything because water melts, goes down inside, freezes, spreads, and then pushes this thing out. The big walls fall off. Anyway, else to do. So we're hiking out there on a nice sunny day, about 60 degrees. And the mosquitoes are horrible. I mean, thick as thieves. You walk by and your boots hit, hit a bush, and they come up in a cloud and about choke you to death. And they had a rule up there if you stepped on one, pick it up because you turn the turn the ankle when they step on them. I mean, they're big. And, and so the deal was, and you had to have a pain sick repel all over you. Were, I mean, you had jeans on, you had to insert repellent on your jeans, face, hair, close, close your eyes, spray it in your face, your ears. Yeah, those boys found them in the spot, they'd get you. We're hiking out this cap, kind of a warm day, carrying backpacks, going to hike out there, spend the night. Buddy in front of me was walking along, starts to sweat, and a line of sweat went down his neck like this. And as soon as it thinned out that, that insect repellent, whoo, there was a line of mosquitoes down his neck like that. So we had to watch each other and say, whoa, 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 stop a minute. Stop and then spray him down and keep on going. Because if you left him an opening, they found him. Why do you think he's walking about that adversary? Why do you think he's walking about? He's looking for occasion. And you know what? He'll, you get one piece, one piece, he'll find it. You get one piece, that's his access. You leave out one piece, that's all he's looking for. That's why it's a unit. You've got to have the whole thing. If you don't, you're asking for trouble in this battlefield. You're looking for something. Listen, and I got to guarantee you, say, well, I've been other things I don't do or shouldn't do. And nothing's happened. One more word. Yet. Yet. He's a master letting you think you're all right when you ain't, and he's just setting you up. How many of those nature programs we have to watch where there's stupid animals are out there munching on grass and lions are walking around going, oh, that's a chunky one right there. How about that boy? And, and the, the carcass of the one that ate the night before, there's a mother laying there, half gored by that, by, chewed up by a lion. And they just walk around thinking, I think, what are these stupid 
keeps them alive? You say, well, that's Africa. No. That's right outside. By the way, probably not even outside the door of your own house. It says, behold. So whatever those eight pieces are, hey, listen, they, you better figure out what they are. You better make sure they are effectual and effective in your life. Take unto you the whole armor of God. Number next, it says this. Having the armor of God is not complete. If you look at those eight pieces of armor, you know what you see? You see no pieces for the back. There's nothing for the back. Nothing. Breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, feet shod, loins girded. Everything's right here. You know why? Look at me. Because everything is supposed to be this way. Look at me, look at me. I, you may think you have all the armor of God. You want to find out how fast the devil will take you? Back up. Turn around, backslide, back up, walk off, and just say, well, I'm just not going to do it. You know, that's fascinating. We have, every time we have a conflict in this country, and we call on people to go serve their nation, it's always fascinating to me how many people say, well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think we should have to do this. There are guys, remember when they were using the National Guard in the first conflicts there in the middle, in the Mideast? In Iraq, remember how they had guys in the National Guard? There are fellows in the National Guard who said, I didn't sign up to go to the battlefield. And I think, what do you think this was, the Boy Scouts? I mean, come on, man, what are you thinking here? It's fascinating to me. Oh, I didn't sign up to go fight no war. Well, what did you want? Did you want the uniform because you like green clothes? Is that what it was? I mean, come on, man, what are you talking about here? It's insane. I didn't get this thing in a battle. Hey, there are Christians out there who say, well, I don't really think there's a conflict. Oh, boy, the devil's loving that one right there. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you turn your back and you walk off from your King James Bible and you think, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do what it says. I don't have to follow this. I don't have to do that. You just turn your back to the one who's going to jump all over you and rip you to stake and shred. Don't you get it? There's no armor for the back. Nothing. That, that means, that means I, I got to go into this with great fear. You're going there with great respect because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And a fully equipped soldier has a great deal of confidence in the equipment, but he has greater confidence in the great commander chief who gave him the equipment, who put him in the battle. And the truth is, you can't back up. You do, he'll tear you up. You back up, take somebody else with you, he'll tear them up too. That's why, parents, you've got to be careful about what you're doing with your kids. Now, you want to show them that Sunday morning pop in, pop out kind of Christianity. The devil loves that kind of junk. It's kind of sad to watch that stuff take place in people's lives, and they are okay, but their kids get torn apart. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. There is no armor for the back of the child of God. You have to go forward. And then one more, and I'll be done here. Take unto you the whole armor of God is that the armor of God is not permanent. Well, I had it. At, no, 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 no. Not had it. Have it. I had it. There was a time when those things that it mentions there, they were all effective in my life, but now I've kind of grown in grace. That's my favorite one. Grown in grace. Got smarter than the Bible. I've grown in grace. You know that? That soul winning stuff and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, that was, I used to do that kind of stuff. But now, you know, that's just really not effectual in my life. Blah, 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 blah. You know, listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. Because you had it yesterday doesn't mean you have it today. It's not permanent. Since it's, since it's temporary, and that means I have to take it every day. That means every day I have to take the armor of God. Now, that's theologically deep, but stay with the concept. The 
idea is every day I have to take it. That means every day I've got to make sure my obedience to the Bible is in line with what the Word of God tells me to do. That means I need to get so sensitive about the Word of God, the Bible, how it tells, how it tells me how I live my life. I need to get so sensitive about this book that I have no desire to drift from it. I don't want to get off on anything. That's what these people say. Well, I'm a, I've become rather progressive in my Christian life. Well, politically, that's a dangerous, a dangerous thing. And then you want to talk about biblically. How about recovering fundamentals? That's my favorite one. Oh, I'm a recovering fundamentalist. Now, here's the problem with recovering fundamentalists. Look at me. Watch me. See, you, in order to be a drunk, you had to recover, be a recovering alcoholic, you had to be an alcoholic. In order to be a recovering junkie, you had to be a junkie. You can't recover from fundamentalism. Let, no, you can't do that. See, there's nothing wrong with what we believe. So it's fascinating to me, these people who say they, well, I went to fundamental. I know all kinds of people go to fundamental Baptist church. That has nothing to do with what they are, what they believe. That they believe, hey, they went out from us because they were not of us. Uh, and they, they made it evident that they were not of us. So they're not recovering. They were never in. They never got it. They never got it straightened out. They never understood anything. They never believed it. They just sat there and they said, well, I, was, I just come to find out there's just some things that I didn't agree with. What did you agree with? That the Word of God is the King James Bible and the inspired and found on Aaron Word of God for us today in the English language. That God has called us to holiness and separation. That we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love, Father, love of the Father is not in him. Yeah, what did you not get? What did we not teach you? What did you not understand? Oh, you don't recover from that unless you're going to leave the Bible. When you do that, you're a victim. I don't, I don't understand this. Look, if you're talking to a hippie from the 60s, born and raised in California, public school system, I walked into an independent fundamental Baptist church. I thought those people were from another planet. After a while, I went just to hear what else he'd come up with. After about a month, I thought, he's got to get on breathing. I mean, what's left? This man's covered everything I can think of. You preach on the love of God and make you mad. But I made a mistake. And the mistake was this. You can prove it to me by the Bible, I'll believe it. And the independent fundamental soul when he separated King James Bible, preaching hellfire, damnation, premillennial, preaching relationship, mental, block, carry, six, super badness are the only ones I know of the rest of them will give you their philosophy. Well, my particular philosophy about this is, I thought, well, I did that in the 60s. Every man marches in the beat of a different drummer. I don't even know. I used to play the drums. I knew every drum. I knew every infantry. Infantry falls in the forest. And no one's there. Y'all hear me for a minute. No one's there. Does it make a sound? That's half. That was one semester of my English class in high school. To discuss this question. She went around the class, and these idiots in the class were trying to figure it out. Teach cousin me, Mike Johnson, what do you think? I said, as long as I am under, under I don't care. Well, that's a typically shallow response. Have you ever done a thought? Sounds good to me. <laughs> I've been to that philosophy.
every day of our lives, we're going to have to walk hard on our homes. Look now, and that you say, well, the world's a mess out there. <laughs> That's a shocking statement. Very shocking. I haven't been paying attention. But what happens under the roof of 4635 Dandelion Line Drive, Ready, California? September 12th, my birthday. That's what it's saying. Okay. 4635 Dandelion Drive, Ready, California, 960010. What happens under that roof? Now, that's mine. My, that's my wife. My wife's the best fundamentalist I know. She, she got more convictions than the Bible. She also has such good hearing. She hears things I never said. That's a whole other subject. That's me talking for a guy whose wife's back there, and he's way over here. It's also me talking for a guy whose wife's 2,000 miles away, too, but... Well, she's a fundamentalist they get. Brother Don Barrel straight. Whoa! I'd go around and tell her, you ain't wearing that. You know what goes over here. She's the one telling me, why are you wearing that? I said, oh, wait, hey, wait. She's, she's tough, brother. You know why? Because we're going to keep the armor in the house. Hey, hey, you don't have convictions that change out in your house. But I wouldn't do that, but I wear, I don't wear a dress at home. I just don't wear a dress at home. Hot summer days in Redding, California. It's 108 in my place today. You can't tell me that old cotton dress wouldn't be nice for a fellow with a fan. That'd be fantastic. Right? See, well, preacher, that's a little weird. I don't see how a woman wearing britches at home makes any difference to me. Hey, just, see, I don't understand this. I, I, somehow or another, our convictions are local. Somehow or another, they're geographical. Somehow they apply to a certain place, but not to other places. Like home, vacation. You know, all of a sudden stuff changes. Somehow you think you just take that armor stuff. That works for going to church, coming back from church, all that kind of stuff. When I go to work, well, whoop, that goes out the window. No, no, it's, it's, it's not permanent. I got to have it on when I go to work. I got to have it on when I go to Walmart. I got to have it on when I go everywhere I go. I got to have it on when I get on an airplane. I got to have it on wherever I go. I got to have it on when I walk down the street. I got to have it on when I live in my city. I got to have it on in my house. I got to have it on in my community. I got to have it on when I go on vacation, which I ain't had one in two years. I got to have it on wherever I go, whatever 